Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Brandy Phillips served as the featured performer and lead trainer of the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls from 2003 to 2016. In her lead role of the world-renowned Western Entertainment Company, Phillips worked tirelessly both as a center stage performing headliner and behind the scenes, handling everything from media duties to the training of new students and horses. She and the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls have been featured by a vast range of media outlets, both by the Western lifestyle and mainstream media. The Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls have four times finished among the top five as the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association's Dress Act of the Year, and Phillips led that charge. As a trick roper, Phillips and the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls performed in the opening ceremonies at the 2010 World Equestrian Games in Lexington, Kentucky. Also in 2010, Phillips was named the champion of the inaugural Invitational North American Trick Riding Championship, which was held in conjunction with the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto, Canada. Phillips followed that up by teaching trick riding clinics across Australia in 2011 and 2012. At the invitation of Queen Elizabeth II, Phillips and the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls trick roped at her 2012 Diamond Jubilee celebration in Windsor, England. Recently, Phillips has spent her time in Arizona working for Gillum Livestock, making rope horses and still trick riding as a solo artist. She has now relocated to Stephenville, Texas to put all of her experiences into something of her own. Brandy, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I, um, I've admired you for a long time, and I got to see you ride at the Art of the Cowgirl event earlier this year in 2020. Um, so it's really full circle, and it's really awesome that you get to join us today and share your story. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I always enjoy sharing, so this is a great opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Well, the podcast is called Beyond the Saddle. Um, so we're going to get to know you and your career a little bit beyond what you've done in the saddle. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Can you give us a synopsis of what your job is today? Um, today, I am a solo Western entertainer, uh, trick riding and trick roping. Um, it's become more of a enjoyed hobby now, more than a full-time job. Um, I also relocated to Texas, where I now am the manager of the Rockin' Out Hardware Department, and uh, I've actually teamed up with fellow trick rider and one of my dear friends, Sadie Lynn King. Uh, we've been doing some trick riding clinics down at her place in New Waverly, and so I've just kind of started a new adventure, as you could probably tell. It's a little bit new still, so my whole job title has totally changed. How fun, though. I mean, new chapters are the most exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It's fun to push forward and kind of push yourself beyond what you're comfortable doing and, you know, just venture out and what the world has to offer. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell us more about uh, Rockin' Out Jewelry and Hardware. So Rockin' Out started out as a jewelry, mostly a jewelry company. Uh, Justin Walker is the silversmith designer and engraver. He's super talented. And actually through mutual friends, I got to know um, Justin and his girlfriend, Katie, and they had a hardware department with, they started with saddle conchos, eye watch buckles, all these really, really cool things. And so when I relocated to Texas, they offered me a job there to run the hardware department, which has been a totally new norm for me now, uh, going to like a nine to five and definitely have learned a lot about myself taking over something new. 
And um, they just have such great products from jewelry to the saddle conchos. And Justin's just so dang talented that it's pretty cool to be a part of such a new and cool company that a lot of people really are not as aware of as I thought they were. <laughs> sure. Well, and engraving, I mean, and just working with metals is a skill, is a talent. So seeing those beautiful work is something I have such an appreciation for. Oh, absolutely. I actually got to watch Justin engrave. Um, I think it was, a, it was a very small little tag pendant with someone's brand on it and just how quickly and efficiently he worked and how his watching his creativity just come to life just like it was just so easy for him and no big deal and I'm sitting there in awe because I just don't feel like I'm I have that type of creativity so to actually watch him just easily just form the metal into these beautiful tooling patterns like my mind was blown (laughs) oh it sounds so lovely I I gotta go look him up I might have to go shopping I mean that's what happens right oh yes rocking out silver it's there is so much they have so much stuff it's I'm having a hard time not picking stuff out for myself you know out of my paychecks (laughs) right go home like oh what did I work for this week oh but look at all these pretty things I have Yes, exactly. So before our interview, every time I interview someone, I like to do a little bit of background research. um, And it seems like you've got some great connections to the Flying U Rodeo Company. So can you tell us more about them? Flying U Rodeo Company is a long, long time California stock contractor, Cotton Rosser and his whole family. Um, So when I was at Riata Ranch, uh, Flying U Rodeo is kind of the rodeo company I grew up in. So uh, Reno and Cotton and Cindy and Karen and Catherine, like they watched me from the time I was 13 start with Riata Ranch. And I kind of grew up trick riding at their rodeos. And my mom trick rode at Flying U Rodeos as well. It's kind of when you go to a Flying U Rodeo, it's kind of like going back home. And they're just a family that's just been, they're awesome. And Cotton Rosser is an ambassador for rodeo and a legend in California. And so, yeah, that's my flying new rodeo background. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Oh, I love how supportive this industry is. And they sound like an exemplary, you know, example of that. (laughs) Yeah. And Cotton is in his nineties now and he still gets horseback on his paint horse and he's still a part of everything that goes on. And he's, he's really awesome guy. Very, very cool. Well, um, I think a lot of people probably best know you as a trick rider, um, especially from your time with the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls. So let's dive into that a little bit. What does it mean to be a professional trick rider? Let's start there. Well, I can definitely tell you when I was a kid, it's definitely not what I thought I would be doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, my mom was a Riata girl and it's actually a, a leadership mentorship program based around trick riding and performing. So most kids start for the experience and they want to learn something really cool. And then you learn all these life skills as you're there. And that's how parents and kids stay hooked because you get so much more out of it than trick riding. You know, it's not like a trick rider that goes and learns and then just goes and has their own career. Like you're in a team atmosphere. You do everything together. You win together, you fail together. And then you generally move on after high school and go out into the adult world and do other things. Well, the time in my life, Riata was a very stable environment for me. And so I ended up staying, I was with them for 13 years and, you know, went through the program, developed my leadership skills, and then took charge of the team and helping training horses and students. And then 
performing full time. So it was definitely, I never thought that's what I would be doing when I was younger because I wasn't really raised around horses. I was when I was a small child. My grandma had a ranch, but I didn't really grow up taking care of horses, managing horses. My family is not a ranching background. So the fact that I have jumped into this career has been pretty, pretty cool to see how life just winds and takes you right where you're supposed to be. Yeah, well, you're darn good at it too. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a cool career. And it, I appreciate everything it, it has done for me and the people it connected me with and the opportunities it's provided. And a lot of that is because of Riata Ranch. Riata Ranch is the foundation that I stand on now as a solo person. And I give everything back to Riata and the credit there because that is truly where I came from and the skills I use today for now when I go do things on my own. That's so awesome. Well, and like you mentioned, I mean, they are world renowned. I mean, so you got to do some really amazing things, not only like building teamwork and those skills and you're kind of an adrenaline junkie, I'm guessing, <laughs> but you got to travel <laughs> and do some amazing things with them too. Oh yeah. The first time, my first out of state show, I think I was 14. We went to uh, Kentucky for the Briar Fest. Uh, one of the horses, Cisco, who actually passed away this year at 25, he was my first trick riding horse. He had a Briar horse released, and that was my very first out-of-state show, driving all the way back to Lexington, Kentucky. And his Briar horse got to be released, and so was Seabiscuit's Briar horse. And it was this really cool event, and I just thought it was so cool because we were so far from home. <laughs> How fun! You know, we just recently did an episode uh, with Captain Lisa Rakes, and she is the mounted police captain over there at the Kentucky Horse Park. And her horse, her police horse, is also a Briar horse. So they pick good ones. <laughs> Cisco and Oliver, oh, yes. you gotta love it. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, and they're they're so. I love that the Briar Horse Company. Like they try to look for not just your typical, you know, well-known horses. They truly do go find try to go find the horses people may not know of because, you know, in our rodeo business, you know, there's honors for the top barrel horse, the top rope horse, calf horse. There's not an award for trick riding horses and they, they deserve a lot of credit for what they do. And because it is a process and a talent for these horses and you truly have to rely on them to keep you safe. Absolutely. You put a lot of faith and a lot of trust into that animal when you're hanging upside down. Oh. underneath it. <laughs> So much, so much. And it's, it's a, a, you develop a relationship because if you can't trust your horse when you're trick riding, that, you know, that's when accidents happen is when you're not a hundred percent into what you're doing or, you know, having a trick done, especially when you're learning, you have to commit a hundred percent. You can't have have to do anything when it comes to trick riding. The training is so crucial to what you do. That way, when you perform, you know you're going to nail it. Your horse is confident, and that's, that's what creates a successful show. I wanted to ask if you could walk us through what a typical day at a rodeo is like. So when you're the specialty act and, you know, you've got all that pressure of performing and going through the process and putting on a good show, I thought that'd be really interesting so people know, like, from the moment you roll up to the rodeo to the moment you leave, kind of what's that process like? Yeah. So as a specialty actor, and you're going to the rodeo, you are kind of a representative of the rodeo because not only do you have to show up and perform, but you have to do the autographs, you have to meet with your committee. If they have any events in town, you go do all these things. So when you roll into town, you're unloading, you're getting settled in, you're meeting with your committee and you hit kind of hit the ground running. And so 
most days you're up feeding, taking care of your animals, and then you might have to go to the local feed store and talk to people and do autographs, or you might have to go to a local auto dealership. Or a lot of the times in our cases, you go to a local school and we would do trick roping and promote the rodeo. So you have this itinerary of events you have to do during the day. And then you come back and then you start changing gears to thinking about your performance. And you have to get there and you meet with your sound person, your announcer. We have scripts that we have to write. We go to the production meeting to talk about how we're producing the whole rodeo. You're a part of that whole process. It's, it's a team effort to put on a rodeo from top to bottom. And so you're a part of this large team. You're not just there by yourself. Like you show up and you're ready to put on a show as a whole with your committee and all the other people working. So after your production meeting, then we're usually washing horses, getting ready, getting saddled. Then it's glam and you're doing your hair and makeup <laughs> and you're getting your outfits just right. And then, and then you start to get that feeling of, you know, if you're after saddle bronc riding, you're sitting there and you're listening the whole time and you're getting warmed up and your adrenaline starts to go because then it's saddle bronc riding, right? So then you're like, I'm next, I'm next. And after about probably the last three bronc riders, I would say, since we're going to use that as an example, that's when you'd cinch up your horse, you get your saddle tight. And then as soon as that last horse bucks, you're, you're waiting to go in. And then that's when you hit the ground, you do your show, hopefully all went well. You come out of the arena, your adrenaline's going, and you're just pumped. And then it's just unwinding everything. Then it's taking everything off your horse. Horses come first for us, obviously. It's always about your horse. So we take care of our horses, and then you're winding down. But then you might need to go back and meet with your committee and have dinner and maybe a few drinks. And then you're socializing. And then it's usually 10, 11 o'clock by that time, and you go back to bed and you start the whole process all over the next day. So it truly is, I mean, you hit the ground running when you get to a rodeo, and it's not just laying around all day and I get to trick ride. Like a specialty act or any of the other bullfighters, the clown, like we have a full-time job to represent not only ourselves, but the rodeos. So it, it's a big deal. And then between rodeos, that's why we all like to relax and adventure out and see what's the locals have to offer because it is it truly is i mean for depending on how long the rodeo is it's it's a full-time job it's so intense but that sounds like so much fun <laughs> oh it's so worth it because you know one thing i love about rodeo and this lifestyle is you're truly you're truly experiencing life as you work we're not planning vacations to get away from our lives we are truly get to go See what the United States has to offer Canada, and we get to go rodeo, and then we get to go see Mount Rushmore while we're in South Dakota, or we get to be up in Estes Park in Colorado, and you're just out seeing all these things that people don't normally get to see, and that's just part of the deal. Like We work, and then we get to play, and we're not missing out on what life has to offer, and that's what I think people get addicted to because who wants to be in the office all day when I can perform at a rodeo all night and then I can go hiking or do all these cool things depending on wherever you are why else would you want to go work somewhere else <laughs> absolutely sign me up <laughs> I'm in yes yeah, sign me up it's addicting <laughs> for sure well 
That was super insightful. And I feel like we may have uncovered a few myths that people have or misconceptions about being a trick rider. Um, is there one that you hear most often that maybe we can bust? I mean, I get a lot of jokes a lot of the time where they're like, oh, I did that one time, but not on purpose. <laughs> you heard that like a million times. It's I'm like, sure. no, I don't think you did. I don't think you did do it on purpose. But I think mo- I think the biggest myth is that the contract personnel as a whole, so that's your announcers, your bullfighters, your clowns, everybody that's hired to work there, your secretaries, everything. Just because we get paid to be there and we have guaranteed paychecks, people kind of look down on us a bit. Like we're not as important to the rodeo maybe as some of the contestants, whereas everybody is important to the rodeo from the contestants down to the people in the back pens working. And we do get paid to be there, but also as a trick rider, I will never, well, knock on wood, maybe someday a trick rider will, but we will never have a chance to go win 50,000 in one night. Sure. We do get a lot of flack from some different events that we don't, just because we're paid to be there, like we don't struggle financially or we, it's not tiring for us to be on the road too, but it is, you know, just because we're in a town for the whole week. I mean, it doesn't mean that we're not doing or contributing every day to our jobs. So I think that's one of the biggest myths. And I think that's just for contract personnel as a whole. Like we do work and we work hard. And for every rodeo that we're a part of. Absolutely. I think the rodeo industry as a whole, so competitors, contract personnel, the committees that put them on, they're some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And those contract personnel, I think are at the top of that ladder. I mean, really you guys, because you come in and you own it, you know, you, you are whatever town you're in for that week, right. Or, and forever, how long it is. And then you're on to the next, and then you embody that next town and embrace it. And that's mentally difficult and physically difficult, right? Like when you're traveling and you're on the road and you've got to buy into that hundred percent and be there for whoever, whenever, that's a lot to ask of a person. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. And that's not even counting, you know, your stock contractors who bring all these animals, you know, it's, it's revolved around them, you know, to put the production on. And one of the people I admire most to watch work is Lori Franzen from Powder River Rodeo, because when they bring their animals and I sit there and I've sat next to her during a rodeo and watched her, how she kept things moving and the production going. And she, she had everybody in line and things working like clockwork and watching her through that whole rodeo. And she's a strong woman and has a really good family and they have amazing animals, but I admire her a lot because I watch her, how hard she works to keep things moving and how hard the announcer works with the sound person. And then it just trickles on down and it truly is a giant team to put on a rodeo. It isn't just showing up and bucking animals and cowboys. Like it, there is a lot that goes into rodeo as a whole and every single person is important to that. For sure. Well, and I think people forget or maybe don't realize that you're really there to put on a show, right? Like we're, you're there to sell a ticket is how rodeos stay alive, you know, in the mainstream. And so we got to make it entertaining yeah. and it's got to run like clockwork and flawless. And that's tough. That's a big, big, tall order to fill. <laughs> oh, it, it so is. I mean, it is a Western entertainment industry. And I mean, but you're working with live animals. So to me, it's even amazing that you can run an efficient, well put together rodeo and you have all these live animals where you really you can't control what happens 
you really just hope things work like clockwork. And it truly is about the music and the opening and that, and that creates the atmosphere. And then your announcer, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, I think a lot of people should help put on a rodeo at least one time in their life or help with the production, because I think a lot of people would appreciate what actually goes into it. I agree. You know, Brandy, it's too bad you're not passionate. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I it's so funny. I like when I get onto a trick riding a rodeo. I feel like I just go on and on forever because it's <laughs> it's something that's been so good to me. I love it. I love it. Well, um, let's talk a little bit more about you. So you gave us a bit of your journey. I don't know if you wanted to share more, um, maybe about your education and kind of how that led you through your experience and and landed you to where you are now. Yeah. So starting Riata when I was young, um, I had a little bit of an unstable home life. So it was actually an accident that I ended up at Riata. So my young sister was taking riding lessons out there and I kind of always knew my mom was a trick rider. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I was a little bit jealous of my little sister (laughs) (laughs) because I had ridden horses before and it was something that I really kind of was always interested in going back to. Um, but I just didn't have the opportunity. And my other siblings are like all-star athletes, volleyball, soccer, swim. I mean, they can do it all. And I was like the only one. I kind of played softball and it was something I did with my dad and enjoyed. But I wasn't really a great athlete in that sense. Um, I was a good competitor and I knew how to be on a team, but, and I always had a good attitude about things, but I wasn't the most talented player out there. And so my sister was actually going to leave for the summer. And so Jennifer, who's in charge of Riata, she kind of walked over to me and asked me if I wanted to finish out my sister's lessons since my mom had already paid for them. And I was like, well, I don't really want to ride with a little kid. You know, I've, I've ridden horses before. And she's like, no, just come out. So I show up and they were vaulting on a horse and I vaulted on right away and that I was hooked. Riata for me was like, this is where my talent is. This is where I felt I fit in and where I all of a sudden kind of found myself as a person compared to all my other siblings in my family. And so from then on, no matter what was happening at home or at school, it was my 150% focus was trick riding in Riata Ranch. And I truly think without that, I would not be where I am today. And so then through that program, I've just gained my confidence in a lot of areas that um, I don't know that I would have learned maybe at school. Um, I didn't go to college. I This was what I was going to do for a living. And through that, I went through some other, I lost my dad in 2014. And that's when I started to transition out of trick riding full time because I I was just going through a really hard time mentally. And so I ended up in Arizona, actually, for uh, I think it was four years. And I started working for Gillum Livestock, and that's Judy and Ozzy Gillum. And they've raised a lot of really good driftwood rope horses. And so uh, we had met Judy a couple years prior, and she just offered me a job. And I kind of would go work for two weeks at a time in the winter when we weren't busy. And then that turned into when I wanted to transition to something new, 
um, I got a full-time job there and started to learn to rope and train rope horses. And so I took a total break from trick riding and I wasn't going to, I honestly wasn't going to trick ride anymore. Like I was, I was done. I was burnt out and it kind of refreshed learning something new and really challenging myself. Team roping is not easy. I don't know, Katie, if you've ever tried it, but it's not easy. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> and so, yeah, so challenging myself to something new and they allowed me to go through the things I needed to do to heal. And they gave me a new tool, a new view on life. And then that's when I started to trick ride again was, they gave me an opportunity to work during the week and go on the road if I needed to on the weekend. So I started at a couple of smaller shows that I trick rode with Riata because they just kept bothering me that if I decided to go on my own, that they would hire me. So I was like, well, why not? If I just do it a couple times a year, you know, maybe it'll be cool. And then I found myself wanting to trick ride more and more again. <laughs> and yeah, and that's what like led me to Art of the Cowgirl and and connections with people. And then that's kind of where I've developed today is I'm not making my life surround trick riding in the sense of it's a job anymore. I'm now doing it for me to enjoy what I do and then happen to get paid for it. It's a really cool position to be in. And one of the reasons I came to Texas was because, you know, when you're by yourself, the responsibility is solely on you. And it's, not, I'm going to say, it's not always fun going down the road by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the biggest reasons I wanted to move here to Texas was to be closer to my friend Sadie, because she is one of my dear, dear friends. And she is a talented Roman writer, trick writer, performer in her own right. And we'd always wanted to do stuff together, but we were always so far apart. And so now coming on this journey and starting to develop something new with one of my dear friends. Like that's kind of where I am with my trick riding now, especially with COVID because all my shows got canceled this yeah. year. So I figured that was a perfect time to start over. <laughs> For sure. An opportunity you didn't know you needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have started at Rock and Owl and they're awesome because I work there during the week. And if I need to go on the weekend to meet up with Sadie or do other things, like it's really cool how just moving and making a decision for myself that I was going to do things for me and what was best for me, like things just tend to fall into place right where they're supposed to. Definitely true. Even when we don't want to tell ourselves that or believe it, <laughs> you look back and you think, all right, you're right. <laughs> it all worked out yes. exactly like it was supposed to. Uh, I, I still fight with myself a lot about it, but it's, it truly, it truly is. If you're a believer in God, you truly have to trust in God's path and you have to trust in yourself too, to understand that guidance and whatever, or whatever guides you. And I truly feel like my grandma instilled that in me as a young person. And not that I have, I've definitely strayed off the beaten path. I've definitely tried to be a self-destructive person at times because of the things I went through. And it's always seemed like there was always a hand that was always just pushing me back to right where I was supposed to be. And so learning to be confident in my decisions and just moving forward, even though I don't always, I don't have a life plan. I've always had to just go with the flow and wherever the wind takes me. And that's, and now I'm just on another journey of just following my instinct and um, trying to surround myself with people that support me and put myself in a positive position to win. I love that. 
I love that a lot. Well, that's a great little doorway then into advice that you have for other people. Do you have advice for anyone that might like to try trick writing? What would you tell those people? Get a good coach. (laughs) (laughs) I true believer trick writing is dangerous. It is absolutely dangerous. We train hard to make it look fun, but you can get seriously hurt and it's not something you can just hop on any horse and do. So I say, do your research, get a good respected trainer. And there are a handful of really great trick riders going right now. And any one of them will be happy to teach you. You have to pay the money, but it is so worth it because you will learn safety. You will have fun. And then if you choose to go on, you have a good support system because you cannot do it without a good support system. Absolutely. Great advice. And yes, kids, don't try this at home. (laughs) Get someone that knows what they're doing. (laughs) Um, On the flip side of that, um, going a little deeper into what we were just talking about, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, so 18-year-old Brandy, what would you say? I would say probably to trust myself a little bit earlier in life and to not conform to what everybody else is doing. I feel like I struggled a lot with kind of fitting in because I never, I think maybe because of things I struggled with at home, I was a kid that never really felt like I fit in anywhere. So I wish maybe sooner I would have realized to stick to my own values and to be myself a lot sooner than I am now. And I feel like maybe I wouldn't have lost my way in some areas of my life. And it is, it is something to be said to be really true to who you are, no matter what goes on around you and surrounding yourself with the people that support that idea of you. That sounds like something that your, uh, your team members there at Riata Ranch definitely helped you with too. Oh yes. And you build their lifelong friends and their true true friendship. That to me is the key, especially to adulthood is you have to have the real friends that are going to support you when you're happy, support you when you're sad. They're going to call you out for, you know, when you need it and ultimately care about your well-being. I have really lucky to have friends like that. And, and I have a small handful of women that really do support me 100% and they really help me along the way. Priceless. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Life is cool. Well, do you have advice for anyone looking to get into the rodeo industry? So as a professional in the industry, you have, I mean, you talked us through kind of the whole back end of it and how everything comes together. So if anybody's interested in that, I I know you have good advice for those people. Um, Even with the rodeo industry, it goes the same as it does for trick riding. If you want to rodeo or It doesn't even matter what industry it is. If you want to do something and do it well, you need to go learn from the people that are winning. You need to go learn the right way first. And you need to have the, you know, if it's rodeo, you need to learn on the right kind of horses under the right kind of people, no matter how much money it costs, especially with rodeo, because entering is so crazy. Um, I do believe in my journey now, I believe you should have an education And I do think you have to have a backup plan because rodeo is not an easy industry to be in, but it is doable. And that's why the circuit system set up for people who don't get to rodeo full time, but still get to enjoy it. So to me, if you're going to win and you're going to do it well, you have to go get hooked up with the right people to learn from. 
That is awesome advice. And I think you're right. I think it spills over into any industry. I mean, I work in media and I work for, I think, kick-ass media company that does really amazing things. And I'm learning from people who, you know, have done it and have figured out the formula to make this successful. And, you know, you get to learn from that and make it your own and replicate. Or if you're going to be a stock contractor, you go and you go to the stock contractors that have, you know, the best stock and go to the best rodeos and you learn from them. So that's great advice. Yeah. Well, I like to think I'm pretty smart sometimes. <laughs> no matter what you do, it takes a village to get people anywhere. You don't do anything by yourself. So, and you can learn something from everybody and then create your own way of doing it. So you just never have to stop learning from other people. And you might take one thing from one person, but you might like the way another person does things. And then you go and create your own way of doing things, but you got to learn the right way first. And I mean, team roping, for example, is one I think you just definitely have to go learn the right way first because there's a lot of bad habits. And then, you know, and rodeo is a business. So you want to go learn from the successful people because what's that saying that eagles don't hang out with chickens? (laughs) (laughs) something like that you know you if you want to be the best and do it well you got to go you got to go learn from the best (laughs) that is perfect advice (laughs) i have the perfect visual to remind yourself of (laughs) all right i'm looking for you yeah Well, you've gone all over um, and seen a lot of horses, ridden a lot of horses, done a lot of amazing things because of horses. So I'm curious if you have a most memorable moment with horses that you could share with us. The most memorable for me to really see the stanima of a horse and like how truly big hearted they are. Um, Our horse, Jesse, the little black and white paint. Like I said, he was the most honest. I mean, when we first got him, he pretty much was a runaway and he might buck a little bit. But he was never, he was never trying to hurt you. He, but he was willing to tell you when, when his limits were. And in turn, he ended up being one of the absolute best trick riding horses I've ever rode. And we went on the road and he just seemed grumpier than normal. Like he just, he still trick rode. He still gave 150% in the arena and took care of you and did his job. But outside there was just, we all noticed there was something just off about him, but nothing we could really pinpoint. Mm -hmm. And we happened to be in North Texas at the time. And he all of a sudden just got super sick and we took him to the vet and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And so we had to get back and do our performances. And they said, oh, we think we figured it out. You'll be able to pick him up Monday morning on your way out of town you know, I think he's okay. We think it might be just some acid reflux. I don't know what else they thought it might've been. And these are some really, really great bets. And we go, we're loading up to go out of town. And all of a sudden they told us we have to put him down. We don't know what's wrong with him. Like he's not going to make it. Whoa. And so, you know, that's a big blow because he is the, not only at the time I wasn't riding him full time, I had passed him on to another teammate. And so he's developed all these great trick riders. And because of how good he was. So this is a big blow to us as a family, as a trick riding family. And so they asked us if they could do an autopsy and just because they need, they're like, we need to know what's wrong with him if this happens again. So we said, yes, do do it if you would like to. And they had said that they think before we ever even left for the road that summer. So this is four months into our tour. They said he had probably swallowed maybe a piece of metal. And that it had gone through his entire system. And so he was basically, his digestive system was, 
had this had gone and pretty much destroyed his digestive system. Oh, and they yeah. said the sack around his heart was four times its size. Whoa. Oh and my so gosh. like, if you can imagine just the grit and the heart it would take for him to still, you know, do his job. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. What, what a cool dude. I mean, you started this story where he was like bronchy and he might run away with you. And I was like, okay, like he hurt her. Oh no, quite the opposite. Like he turned out to be such a rock star that, you know, we couldn't bear losing him for something uh, like this and still performing like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I could tell you tons of cool trick riding performance stories, like, but for me, like the love of horses, because ultimately that's right. That's why we ride horses. That's why we like to rodeo because we love horses. And so to me, like that was a significant time in my life where I really, I really experienced like a great horse that gave you everything he had literally till he couldn't. And so he, he was such a cool, he was just such a cool animal and he was a big loss for all of us. And so, you know, I actually had lost Willie the will, the month, the year before, and then Jesse was next. And, and so we had two pretty significant losses on our horse team in those two years, but Jesse just, there's, I don't think there'll ever be a horse that compares to Jesse. I could talk about experiences, trick riding and performing. And I mean, I've got tons of things I could talk about as far as that goes, but I just think in my development and appreciation of the, the heart and the grit and the dedication a horse can have to us as humans was that that story of Jesse and and just seeing how he literally gave his life up until he couldn't to do his job and to give of himself for us in order to do what we can do so to me that is more important than any trick riding performance any accolade you receive out on the road like that to me is we, we ride horses because we love them and we like to live the life we do. But without them, I mean, no horse will, to me will compare to Jesse in that way ever. We do not deserve horses. We just don't. No, They're we amazing. don't. We don't deserve horses or dogs. Yes. <laughs> so agreed. Oh, man. And this coming from the girl who was literally asked by the queen to come perform. Um, and her most memorable <laughs> is that horse you gave his all. That's amazing. Uh, yes, that, that was pretty cool too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am bet. <laughs> so we, we were at the World Equestrian Games, uh, do trick roping in the opening ceremonies for that in Kentucky. And the show producer that was getting ready, he is putting together this big show that the queen was doing. And, uh, we happened to be there and that's kind of how we got put in the mix for that show. So the queen for her diamond jubilee celebration, which was 60 years being a monarch, which the only other monarch to ever reach that was Queen Victoria. And so this is a big celebration for her. So what she did is she built this gigantic staged arena right below Windsor Castle. And she invited every country she visited the year she was coronated. And each segment started out with the native people of that country. So for us, it was Native Americans and um, a group of Sioux Indians from South Dakota came 
over with us and then the Riata Ranch Cowboy Girls. And then we had this wonderful lady who had this big carriage of horses. And we brought over some cow- local cowboys that did the Pony Express and they got on horses and spun them and swung their ropes and chased cattle across the arena. So they wanted, she wanted the American cowboy represented. That's kind of how we got in the mix. And I feel like we had the easy job because we didn't have horses. So the boys had to just use horses that were over there Oh man! and had to just kind of teach them what they wanted them to do in the show. And we just showed up with our rope, but we had four days of rehearsal. Uh, we were there for 10 days, but all the acts, all the people in the show, there was this big tent. Everyone had breakfast together, lunch together, dinner. And then the nights of the performances, there was four of them. Um, everyone performed for each other back in the tent at night. So every country had a certain night. They did everything um, in the tent for each other. And it was super, super fun. Even if you couldn't speak English or talk, communicate with each other, you just kind of shook your head and had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) And Queen Elizabeth was there on the final night. And Jennifer and I actually trick roped on the stage right in front of the Royal Box. So I got to look at her uh, not very far away, which made you really nervous because you were like, uh, can I look at her? Like, I don't know what the rules are. She's right there. And uh, But Jennifer did get to go have tea with her and gave her a silk wild rag. And I think it was a couple months later, one of our show of, of our segment, we each had a, a producer that took care of us during that time. He sent her a picture that was in a magazine of her riding her horse, and she was wearing that wild rag. Oh, my God. Jennifer had that at the house. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That is really, really cool. <laughs> How fun. Yeah, it was. that was definitely a memorable trip. Oh, that is super cool. Thank you so much for sharing that story, because uh, that's something that not a lot of people got to do or get to do ever. So <laughs> you can definitely hang your hat on that one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was definitely lucky to be part of that team that got to go. It was, is very, very special. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know that it takes a lot of different products and everything to keep your horses in tip-top shape. You've been to a ton of events. Um, you've been a part of so many different like forms of Western media. So um, I'm going to ask if you can give us just one, uh, just one horse industry recommendation. So something that was really cool or that you think other people should check out that you really believe in. You know what? I think I'm going to throw Art of the Cowgirl out on this one. Yeah. I am so lucky I got to be part of it for the last two years because I can talk all day about all the cool dudes in the horse industry, right? I mean, there's so many. And I feel like we're in a time where women are starting to come to the forefront, especially with the addition of breakaway roping and all these other events. Art of the Cowgirl, I think, is something everybody should go experience because not only are you, is Tammy passing on traits of the Western industry, like silversmithing, horsemanship. I mean, every, I mean, you know, everything that's there, leather making, and then the clip, the clinicians that are there, and it's all women based. I think as far as preserving the Western art, Art of the Cowgirl, hands down, is something I think people should go experience. Um, I think you can, anytime you can go to a clinic and learn a, a skill as team roping or whatever it is, but to go to an all around event that truly is about passing on our Western lifestyle and preserving it, I think Art of the Cowgirl takes the cake. I agree. We went last year and I can't say enough about how much fun we had. And mm-hmm. I, I left there feeling like, 
I didn't know this was the event that I needed. You know what I mean? To do exactly what you just said, to celebrate like women, especially in Western lifestyle and all that that encompasses and the talent that's there. I didn't know that I needed that. And I absolutely love it. And I'm so glad that Tammy Pate and the Pate crew came together to make that possible. Uh, And they're so, they are just, it's, it's awesome. And like, for me, it's not, you know, what I do at Art of the Cowgirl is more of a, you know, clinician style presentation of trick writing rather than just coming in and hanging off and leaving, sure. you know, being able to share right there in front of everybody the steps it takes to develop a trick riding horse up to the finished product and just sharing everything that it takes to do and put on. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's a great opportunity to share what I do in a different aspect that most people don't get to see. That and then the support system there is just, you can't ask for anything better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait for January. And they've moved it to Queen Creek this year. So there's going to be a lot more room and yeah. it's going to be really cool. Although I love that facility it's been at the last couple of years. It's such yes. a beautiful spot. But man, I don't think they expected it to be so big so fast. Yeah, and that's an awesome problem. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good problem to have. They are they're onto something. I mean, they've struck a chord with a lot of us cowgirls who <laughs> just love it. Yes. Well, that's a perfect recommendation. I know that horses are pretty much you eat, sleep and breathe them. Uh, <laughs> but there's other cool things that you do and that you love in your life. So do you have a non horse recommendation for us? So anything that's not horse related, uh, the book or media or a clothing brand or anything like that that you want to recommend? Um, well, I'm a big, and not only because she's my friend, but and she sponsors me, but I think her products are amazing. If you want good, beautiful, well-made long sleeve shirts, page 1912 is hands down the best long sleeve shirt you could buy out there. They're fashion forward and they're functional. And um, I think also in supporting women, we also support support small businesses. And if you're a performance force person, or even if you're just a fashionista. Um, page 1912 is one, I think one of the best things you can invest your money in. Um, I'm also big for my horse, best ever pads. They build great quality saddle pads. No matter, I use the same horse, I tr- our same saddle pad that I use trick riding goes onto the rope horses too, or no matter what I'm doing. So for your horse, I'm big on that. Uh, anything off the top of my head? Um, some of my tack comes from my head salt from rocking out silver that I now work for. Um, my beautiful breast colors are handmade by a lady named Dana Elliott of BB Tack in California. It's a team. <laughs> a lot of people go. So like those are, I mean, it's all horse stuff. So that didn't really answer your question, but my life does actually revolve around horses. I don't really do anything else. <laughs> it's a tough question, but those were great recommendations. So I'll take it. That is. So maybe horse recommendations, non-horse recommendations. I'm not so sure because I don't do much else. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. She is authentic <laughs> through and through. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> well, let's, um, we can wrap it up with a game. So I just have a short game for you. I'm just going to give you a list of questions that's like this or that, and you'll just pick whichever one comes to mind first. You don't have to have any reason for why. Um, and then I have okay. a couple of kind of just what's your favorite. So same thing, just whatever okay. comes to your mind first. Cool. Paints or grays? I'm I'm kind of partial to grays now. <laughs> it's Apollo's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's Apollo. Although I love me a good paint horse. It's a hard one. <laughs> uh, I'll go with gray just because Apollo. I love him so much. Perfect. If you could only do one for the rest of your life, would you rather trick ride or trick rope? Trick ride. 
<laughs> She's got a need for speed. <laughs> oh, yes. Straight denim or a little bit of sparkle in there? Denim all the way. Uh, do you like to head or heel? Oh, that's, I have, well, I have to say lately, um, when I was roping full time, I was really starting to like the healing more. Okay, there you go. California or Texas? You know, I love California. I love where I'm from. I love my family, but there's a reason I'm in Texas. <laughs> Amen. Do you like healer dogs or collie dogs? Well, I have to say healer because that's what my little Chandler is. Perfect. And on your downtime, would you rather watch an episode of Friends or an episode of Big Bang Theory? Big Bang Theory. Yeah? Sheldon or Leonard? Yes. Ah, Sheldon. <laughs> He's the best. I thought for sure you were going to say Friends because I assumed your dog was named Chandler after Chandler on Friends. See? Bad ah, I know everyone thinks that. And my sister does call her Chandler being. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I grew up on Friends, but I mean, I, I love, I just think there's just Big Bang Theory is just so unique and so hysterical. <laughs> I, it just makes me laugh. And I just love Sheldon's character so much. Oh, he's the best. Cracks me up. And then back to the rodeo space. Uh, which one gives you more goosebumps? The flag presentation at the beginning of the rodeo or rodeos that run horses at the end? Um, I'm going to say American flag. I love the American flag opening. It's my favorite. Amen. I tear up every time. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's one of my favorites to do as well. When I get to do flag presentation, standing up with a big flag and like it's not only one of my favorite things to be a part of, but I love watching it. So well. cool. Yeah. Well, that yeah. leads me to my next question. What is your favorite trick? Oh, it's kind of half between the full fender drag and the split, split to the neck. So, you know, full fender, I love to drag my face in the dirt and scare people, but split the necks are a very hard trick to do where you hit the ground one backwards on the neck. So, I mean, it's kind of 50-50 with those two. I'll do those any day of the week. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> yes. And which is your favorite rodeo? I'm going to have to say Salinas is probably one of my favorites of all time. Well, I don't know. Trick riding at Pendleton was pretty cool, too, because you go so fast down the track or down the middle at Pendleton. But I'm going to say Salinas just because that every year that I've gotten to perform there, it's, you've kind of grown up there. And that was my first show on Willie when I was 14. So I just think there's a lot of memories there that are pretty special to me. Perfect. And last question, who inspires you most in the Western industry? In the Western industry, I'm going to say my good friend, Jamie Anderson. Um, you know, I didn't really look up to a lot of people in the Western industry, not growing up in it necessarily. She, in the last years of my life, because, you know, I could, Jennifer has been an amazing mentor to me. So she's definitely one that, I mean, it's kind of a given that I look up to her a lot, but I feel like in the last few years, Jamie is not only someone you can respect as a horse person, um, she's someone I've definitely learned a ton from, and she pushes me to be better and me to make good choices for myself and supports me as a horse person. And I, I just think she is someone that to look, that's worth looking up to and developing yourself after. Perfect answer. Well, that's got to make her feel good. <laughs> that was great. Oh, she's a, she's a really great person. For sure.
Well, that is all the questions that I had for you today. We laughed, we cried, we did all the things together. (laughs) So thank you so much, like seriously, from the bottom of my heart for coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Oh, thank you for having me anytime. I, I enjoy sharing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for writing along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network. 